such a joy to be together. This morning is the uh, third Sunday of Advent. Today's candle, you might have noticed, is, isn't purple like the other three. Um, it's pink, or as some call it, rose. The traditional color of Advent is purple. Some, some use dark blue uh, in their traditions. But purple is meant to represent something that is royal. But it also uh, is an indication or a sign, a color of repentance. Uh, and the turning away from where we have been and how we have lived to something that is so much better. Repentance is, is turning, turning to him and remembering what he has done. Churches historically, since the fourth century, <clears throat> have taken very seriously these four weeks leading up to Christmas. In our Protestant evangelical tradition, I, I fear we've missed out on some very rich heritage. Um, one of the reasons for introducing the idea of Advent is to not diminish Christmas, but to help us in our expectation of it. And, uh, and to, to remember deeply and to have a bit of a, a personal encounter ourselves with this waiting, this anticipation for what is to come. They waited 400 years. 400 years, each one of these four candles represent one of those centuries. And as they waited, uh, they desired something that had been promised. Churches have taken this seriously and these four weeks are typically very somber and penitent, much like Lent. A lot of churches would never have the green and the decorations uh, at this point during the month. It would be very somber and very uh, quiet, very still. <clears throat> but in the midst of the dark winter's months of reflection, as churches and church people and those coming to Christ would come awaiting his coming, they felt that they needed to give the people a glimpse of joy that is also to come. And so, the tradition was is that they took this third candle and it was to be a blending of the purple from the other three and the white of the Christ candle into this rose to indicate joy that is associated with his coming. This Sunday is called Gaudete Sunday, which in Latin means rejoice. During Advent, we remember the first coming of Jesus even as we expectantly wait for his second appearing. And that God's plan was for us to be connected to love himself, to God incarnate, to Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah and Savior. And that our joy will be the fruit of the knowing that he has come to save us. When you are in desperate need of salvation, and you receive that salvation, the only true response is to rejoice. Now there's a young girl that we read about in the Gospel of Luke. We read about her in other places too, who helps us understand all of this. She, she's among the poorest of the poor. 
She has nothing going for her, no privileges to speak of. She's from a village that has a very shady reputation. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. She's young, she's single, and she's a she, which in a culture that doesn't value the voicing or importance of women, puts her at a disadvantage already. Oh, and did I mention, she's pregnant. Maybe 14, 15, 16 year old girl, not married, finding herself pregnant could not only bring shame to her and her family, but could lead to her death. That thing was punishable by stoning. She has sullied a sullied reputation. She has a family who is skeptical and a fiance who is thinking of calling everything off. And that would leave her even more abandoned than she already was. But despite all that she's facing, despite all that her circumstances have presented to her, the Bible tells us that she is joyful in the midst of her circumstances, that she rejoices, that she actually sings a song of joy. We sang parts of it today, probably a different melody. Don't know that she had all the instruments that we had. I think she probably sang it better than we do. It's called the Magnificat. We have it recorded in Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Sometimes we use the words happy and joyful interchangeably, but they're really not the same thing. Um, happiness is based off of your feelings and your circumstances. Like when you have that first cup of coffee in the morning, makes me happy. Or when your team wins a game. That's all I said. You, you have your team, I've got my team. Happiness comes from finding cash in a coat pocket that you didn't know was there. Happiness is sleeping in clean sheets for my wife. She loves that feeling. Happiness is snuggling with a loved one. Uh, happiness for me is when I eat million dollar bacon at first watch. It really, you should try it. It's amazing. Or when I eat my mom's banana bread or my mother-in-law's cherry pie. Or when I have that perfect, perfectly made bite, a moose bouche. Apparently, I get very happy when I eat. I, this, now that I think about it, eating makes me happy. And you're laughing because it makes you happy too. But when Mary experiences, what she experiences here is so much more than a feeling, a momentary happiness over getting a raise or a, a good parking spot or waking up before the alarm and realizing you can go back to sleep. She is filled 
with something more than happiness. Her circumstances would not make one happy, but she is filled with joy, unspeakable joy. She is magnifying the Lord and she is rejoicing in him. It's the kind of joy that not only does Mary get to experience, but every single person who comes to Jesus is promised this kind of joy. Joy when we hear his word. Joy when we receive what he has for us. Joy when we believe him. John said to his disciples, excuse me, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, while we're all busy trying to cobble together some happiness out of all the positive things that could happen in our lives, it's only when we hear God and when we receive from him, when we tap into what he has for us, that something that is far bigger than our circumstances, the struggles or the great things we face, that's when joy becomes ours, that his joy becomes our joy and we are filled by it. And the Bible says that it actually becomes our strength, not happiness, joy. Look how Mary continues to rejoice. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary is rejoicing in the Lord who had looked on her humble estate and had blessed her. But also she is rejoicing that he will make all things right in the broken world in which she lives. Do you look at the world around you today? Do you look at the news? Do you look at the plight of so many of our streets, downtown cities of America? Do you look at the anxiety and the depression that is ravaging our youth? Do you look at the isolation that is pulling people away from community, away from family, into some device that they can hold in their hand? Do you look at the brokenness of the world and can you rejoice that Jesus has come to make it all right? He is our only hope and we rejoice because he has come to turn an upside down world right side up. So many people lack joy at Christmas time because they've misunderstood what God was doing when he sent his son. Jesus was not born to help us become better people. And he was also not born so that we might learn how to play nicer together. Jesus came to usher in a whole new way of living. It's called his kingdom. And it's different than the way we had planned things, the way we had done things, the way we would do things. His kingdom is not of this world. The structures that we have as humans, they don't even come close to his kingdom. We would be wise to forego those, to leave those behind and to submit to his lordship in our life. 
That where the increase of his government and peace doesn't just continue to increase, but it increases in us as well. He came to usher his kingdom to turn things around, to show us his reality, not defined by our human reasoning, but by his own standards. And those are far different than ours. Mary had a revelation of God's revolutionary way of doing things differently. That's why she said, he has shown strength with his arm, which is far more than him flexing in front of a mirror. His arm is showing that he has come not only to show how strong he is, but he is coming towards a messed up world where things in your life and mine can be rectified, reconciled, and made right in his sight. He is putting down the proud and he is lifting up the humble. He is satisfying the hungry and he is starving the rich. Mary's words remind me of what Jesus himself said in Luke 6 when he said, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And blessed, or excuse me, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Mary rejoices in the truth that God's power is breaking up the status quo. That God's power came to take an upside down world and turn it right side up. It may be strange to you to think that the road to joy is only open if you're humble and hungry. Doesn't seem like that's how you would be rejoicing. But it's the only way that you can find true joy is when you step off your throne and fall at his feet. Only when you're starving for the bread of life and thirsty for the water of his spirit will your soul truly be satisfied. Where are we today? Where are you today? Are you perched on your throne of accomplishments? Or are you parched with thirst, needing a drink from his eternal spring? Are you content with the kingdom you've made for yourself? Are you hungry to know him more? If we're going to find joy, it will only be found in him. And it will come in ways that will surprise us. There's one more thing that Mary's song celebrates. It is the fact that God keeps his promises. Luke 1 says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. He has helped his servant Israel. He has remembered his mercy. You know, the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise made 1900 years earlier to an old man named Abraham. And that promise was continually reiterated by God throughout the generations. But he said to Abraham, in you, old man, who has no children yet, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a promise that the Israelites hung on to throughout their history, a very um, shaky history ups and downs, highs and lows, 
God was faithful to them through it all, even when they were not faithful to him. But it must have been hard to hang on to that promise after 1,900 years. After 400 years of silence. But there were some who were faithful in holding on to it. And Mary was one of them. A teenage, single, pregnant, unwed girl knew that God keeps his promises. Do you know it? Do you believe that God keeps his promises? She knew that God was faithful to hold on and carry them through and to send the promised Messiah that he would fulfill his word to Abraham and to David and to every prophet that he spoke through and to every person that waited in expectation that there would be one coming, including Simeon and Anna, who actually got to hold him as an infant and say, my eyes have seen his salvation. Mary held on to this reality. God keeps his promises. He keeps them to all of us who he has promised. And this poor young girl who was most favored among all women, she knew that he keeps the promise. She sings of God remembering his mercy to Abraham and to his seed forever. Her song proclaims that God does not forget his word. God does not forget his people. God does not forget his promises. God does not forget you and me. The Bible is full of God's promises to us, to you, to me. Promises of love. Promises of eternal and abundant life. Promises that he will never leave nor forsake us. Promise that he will deliver any who call out to him. Promise that he will send his spirit to those who are his. Promises that the Bible says are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in his promises? Do you believe he keeps what he promised? Ask yourself, what has God promised me? And put him to the test. It may be a long wait. 1900 years was a long time. But God keeps his promises. And that is a reason to be joyful. That is a reason to rejoice that God is faithful to his word. For disciples of Jesus, our salvation, our rescue from sin and its effect on our world is connected to this promise. And our joy is rooted in God and in the ways of God or living life as God intended us to live. Through Jesus, God is showing us the best way to be human the way he intended us to live, to live a life filled with joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. In Advent, we watch and wait as joy that we celebrate, which came to earth 2,000 years ago, is still available today for those who are joyless. And that joy 
will be fully culminated when he returns again to reveal to us the fullness of his kingdom. I know you may be sitting here with your share of troubles and, and heartaches. You, you may be stressed. You may be anxious about the holidays. Many of us have a secret ache, a secret, a deep wound, a sorrowful past. And it can be especially bitter at this time of year. But still, there is a song to be sung. There is a song, one that was sung by a young pregnant girl in Palestine who had her own life full of interruption and struggle and uncertainty. And yet, she sang the song of rejoicing. She sang because God made her heart joyful. She sang because God was turning her upside down world right side up. She sang because God keeps his promise. As we approach Christmas, why not let God put a song of joy in your heart too? Despite what you're facing in your circumstances, despite how bleak it might look or how hopeless it might appear, despite how much struggle or trouble that you might have, could you just ask the Lord, Lord, give me a song of rejoicing in this Advent season. Maybe you've tried to find happiness in so many other places why not come and find the joy you can find in Jesus? Why not bow before the Savior who once lay in a manger and who later died on a cross and rose from the grave to give you a song of joy that will never end? This morning, we have eight of our brothers and sisters who have that song of joy in their heart. Some of them have just begun singing it but it is a song that will carry them through this life of following Jesus. They are going to walk into the waters of baptism in obedience to Jesus and his command. And we, as their brothers and sisters, are going to rejoice with them because all of heaven rejoices this day. May their testimony and their obedience encourage us all to sing a song of rejoicing in God, our Savior. Amen. I'd like to dismiss those that are being baptized, those that will be baptizing them. Their testimonies were tremendous, but it was 38 minutes of testimonies. So we edited it down to about 15. But we'll be posting their full testimony online so you can read or listen to them as well. You rejoice with those that are being baptized, and we will rejoice in the fact that God has favored us. Favored us. Amen. What does it mean to be baptized, baby? What do we do? Um, follow God into sin. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Um, believe in Him. I got infant baptism at a church in South Korea when I was born, and I didn't think I need uh, regular baptism because I'm. Um, I understood the theological meaning of baptism and I confessed my faith on Jesus before the church. And last year, God brought me and my family 
to Calvin Life Church and God told me this is the second chapter of your life. God also told me the kind of theme of the second chapter is truly die to yourself, perfect surrender. And when I joined this church and many mentors, church leaders gave me the same message. I saw the, the last time the baptism uh, in service, the spirit touched my heart and why don't you go into the bath, um, you know, baptism, God. You wanna do a baptism to declare your faith. Even though I'm struggling with, um, for the perfect surrender, God knows my heart that my deep is that I really want the freedom, true freedom. First of Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, the new has come. Even though I lived as a pastor last 20 years, but sometimes I'm, I only focus on ministry, I lost Jesus. So this time, I just want to be a true follower of Christ. So this is my, this, this is the starting point of my second chapter. Uh, I really want to want my, every part of my life be submitted to God as like the full immersion symbolizes not just part, some part. I realized that so much it can be a relationship with someone or a work life or concept or knowledge that is not submitted to God. And I really hope that all part of me is submitted to Jesus. So I wanted to get this full immersion baptism again. As I was thinking about some of my life not fully um, submitted to Jesus. Um, I, I thought about a socks, like that is too big to your feet, um, that with extra room. So when you have um, extra room of your life that is not submitted to God, you can't squeeze that socks into your shoes and live your life with discomfort and eventually um, makes your body hurt. Um, so yeah, that was, I think that was the life of, that I've been living, that some part of my life looks like submitted to God and it's for some people, um, I may look like a faithful person to God, but there are always like things that I really need to work on so um, I wanted this the new socks that fits you perfectly gives you freedom as you live everyday life so that that's part of the reason that I really wanted this uh, full immersion like baptism um, and this baptism means new start for me um, I think there are many other um, 
point of my life that had a new start, but again, another new start and a hope for a new start. I came to Christ in 1979, a million years ago. Um, and then looking back, I, I realized I had been living my life like an orphan, you know, it, in the sense that it was all up to me. I had to find my way through life and make it work and make people like me and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, the reality is God was showing me as, as he was opening my eyes to things that I wasn't alone or didn't have to be alone and that there was all sorts of self-serving stuff going on. You know, I'm a good person. It's like, well, yeah, but um, whose standards, you know? And so for, for me, there was just this sense of recognizing that everything that I said, everything I thought, everything I did was tainted with self-serving motives. And I just could never get to that place where I felt like I was good enough. And, uh, and, and God kind of said, not to worry, I've got a way for you. And uh, the other thing that was really interesting was that God opened my eyes to a whole world of reality that I can't see with my physical eyes, but it's there nonetheless, and it's just as real, and it impacts life here. And uh, I, I call it the greater reality, and to live out of a greater reality, um, it was something that was incredibly eye-opening to me back then. Um, and then the last thing I remember when I came to Christ was just the joy, just the joy, sheer joy. So why do I want to be baptized? Well, I was baptized as an infant in the Christian church. Um, but I find myself these days, because God's joy in me is so overflowing, that it's like I want to shout from the housetops how wonderful life is in Jesus. And I... You know, the whole idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of old life, new life is like, it's not just what you're coming out of. You know, oh yes, I, I was addicted to this and I was a terrible person. Yeah, 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 that's true. And he saves you out of bad stuff, um, but he saves you into great stuff. And it, the great stuff is his abundant life. And I want to tell everybody that uh, there is more. There's so much more. And I think there's a lot of Christians who are not living in the more because they're just caught up in the hectic race of life or whatever. So um, I do want to remind the listeners that Jesus made this incredible promise in John 10. He said, listen, if you if you just let go of all this stuff that you think is so important, family and success and career and all that kind of stuff, it's like, give it to me, he says, you will, you will reap a hundredfold benefit, not just in the future, but now. And it's like, oh, wow. And so I want to live this abundant life now. And, and to me, baptism is just testifying that I've died to all this old stuff that I thought was so important, and now I'm dying and, and coming to life in Him. Uh, I think following Jesus is giving up your whole life to Him because He gave up, um, God gave up His own Son for all of our sins. And I think living with Jesus is living 
with someone there with you always. You can run to him whenever you have certain things in your heart or you're not sure what to do, you run to him. So I feel like living with Jesus is living your whole life with him, giving up everything and trusting that his word is what is the correct thing to do and the right thing to do. I want to be baptized because it's what he has asked me to do and it's an act of obedience towards him. Um, he has called me to this before, but I didn't follow it. But this is now the right moment of me following him in obedience. And I think I want to give everything up to him, my past and my future. Like he knows everything from what who I will marry, who I will be with, and who my friends are. And so it's pretty important to be with him. So getting baptized is like laying my whole life to him and like bearing everything else and rising up with him in his name and to live with him peacefully. I met the Lord as a desperate teenager looking for hope, and he showed up in a really big way. It was probably one of the first times I could remember hearing his voice. He spoke of his unconditional love for me, and he drew me into a relationship. I can remember being baptized in a backyard swimming, but the timeline is really foggy. Was it before I gave my life to Jesus? Was it after? I really can't remember. But I do remember being genuine about the decision to be baptized. Several years ago, <clears throat> I was living in San Antonio, Texas, and I sensed that maybe I should get baptized again, but my heart wasn't clear. I was still actively going through a lot of deliverance during those times. Over the past few years, Nate and I have faced some hard things. The Lord has and is continuing to deliver and break down strongholds in our lives. So this past summer, when Noah received Jesus into his own life, our thirdborn, at summer camp. He was baptized a few months later, and it was during your sermon, Chris, that um, the Lord started to touch my heart. You had shared a passage of scripture about a group of people who believed and were baptized the same day. And even though I'd heard it, it hit me in a different way. The Holy Spirit pricked my heart, and I realized that that could mean that it was time to go under again but it didn't have to be some ginormous event or moment. I could just simply lay down. So the reason why I be baptized again is sort of like renewing the vows. So like in a marriage, you renew your vows. I want to renew my vows with Jesus because I feel like I've grown so much in Him, in the Word, in the past, in my life. Every aspect of my life is you know, I'm, of course, I am imperfect, very imperfect, but I am on my way to, I'm, 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 and so that journey never stops. It's never gonna stop. But I feel like I've grown in leaps and bounds from that first baptism until now. So there's been a little bit of a calling uh, for that uh, to happen again. Um, I, even here at church, I've been inspired. Um, my wife's been inspiring. Even my son has asked me, because he's heard me talk about it. And even um, <laughs> Stephanie Sweeney has been a big part of this. I just talked to Scott and I was like, you know, your wife, um, she's been, she's been kind of planting seeds for that. And so also, you know, baptism in this congregation that, I'm, that we're a part of. Um, and so, you know, I just, I just feel, I just feel like I, I want to do that again.
to walk in the path with him and to reinforce that. Baptism, baptism to me means when you're walking in faith, you make a commitment. So just like you get married, marriage is a commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. Baptism to me is saying, I am with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be on this path with you. I worship you. I respect you. I have you in my life. Um, and so it just kind of reinforces that, you know, to me, baptism is a pact that you have with him. You know, I haven't been following Jesus as long as I, I should have been. It wasn't till a friend of mine, a co-worker named Ron, that introduced me to the Slowly Church, um, Covenant Life, that I began to form a relationship with God. And ever since then, I've been coming to this church for a couple months now. Um, things have been looking so well and so positive for me. Like I actually see there's hope and faith. Um, there's a, there's a guidance for me, you know, um, for the good, you know, and this negativity has slowly, you know, gone away. And I just, every Sunday I look forward to coming to church. And that's the highlight of my week is to see Pastor Chris and his sermon um, and whatever guest he might have. And it's just amazing. It, it really is amazing. Inviting Jesus into my heart, it, it wasn't until I started coming to this church, you know, and I just felt more of a stronger bond with him more than ever. And it's been truly amazing. It's really lifted my spirits a lot um, for the better. Um, the churches here is like my family, you know, and I have met some wonderful people here, including you, Pastor Chris. Um, if it hadn't been for Ron introducing me to this church, I don't think I don't know. I, I don't know where I would be. I really don't. And it's been such a positive influence on me. Getting baptized is important, but not because it saves me or anyone, but through the grace of God, through the faith in Jesus, is what saves you and me. one of the joys of these last five years and so we are eyewitnesses to what he has done in their lives in this step of obedience you ready yeah all right Austin because you believed in your heart and you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior we baptize you in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit Navigating Austin not hitting his head. <laughs> Karen, because you have believed in your heart and you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, 
We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Henley, Tom, and uh, we're excited that we get to baptize him, his mom, Kitty, and so do you want to say anything, Kitty, just on his uh, behalf? Just, the Lord has always put something on my heart since he was born, and for a while I started to be afraid, like, what is it? And then I felt God tell me to trust him to take care of all my kids and Henley, and when I did that, I really seen Henley grow spiritually and excited for what the Lord has more in your next journey. I am too. It's great. Why don't you come around here? And Henley, you just turn this way. Okay. Okay. All right. You want to hold your nose? Okay. And Henley, because you have professed Jesus Christ with your mouth and you have believed on him in your heart, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. being baptized today. Um, I've been baptized before, but this, I feel like the Lord has done so much in my life since I was 12 years old, um, and that he's calling me to lay down my life in a, a new way, uh, completely. Um, I think when I was young, you like you get baptized, and it's, um, it's important, and it's valuable, and it's genuine, but then the Lord calls you to follow him, in all of life and not just your your younger life and so it's just it's new and it's different so i'm really grateful to be here yes serene because you have professed with your mouth and believed in your heart that jesus is your lord and savior i baptize you <clears throat> my sister in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit
Okay. Yeah, yeah, fine. I'm fine. I'm in. I'm just practicing the baptism. <laughs> He's making my job very easy right now. <laughs> just practicing. Turn around this way. This way. Yeah. This okay. Way. Is that all right? Wherever you okay. want. Patrick, it is wonderful to baptize you. I was really blessed by Patrick's testimony, weren't you? So clear. I love the shouting it from the rooftops. And that's what you're doing when you walk into the waters of baptism. And so it's just an honor to get to stand with him and to baptize him with his help uh, and, and let him shout from the, from the rooftops. So, Patrick, because you have professed Jesus with your mouth, because you believed on him in your heart, because you were following him your whole life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wonderful to get to meet soon. Ron Rinamaki back there is from Frank. Ron is one of the most evangelistic people in our church. He tells everybody about Jesus. And he has been talking soon about Jesus. And um, she started coming to church several months ago. And to hear her testimony has just been so dynamic that she's meeting Jesus, she's met him, and that she is growing in him. So it's just a real honor to get to stand with her and baptize her. Are you excited today? I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So, can we put your hands around my wrist? There we go. The other hand, too. Just do this. There we go. Helps me. Because you have professed Jesus with your mouth and confessed him, confessed him with your mouth and believed on him in your heart, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. section right here on the front row. <laughs> what a delight to, to meet Phil many years ago now and to watch him grow and to surrender his life to the Lord in so many new ways, Phil. Um, it's not been easy, but God has been faithful and you have submitted to him and you're continuing to. And so it's a real honor to get to stand with you and baptize you today. Thank you. Your testimony is very clear. And I know that God has great blessing for your family, for your marriage, and for your future. Amen. Take a step forward. Because you have confessed Jesus with your mouth and believed on him in your heart, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen. <laughs> that's good. There, there is nothing magical about the water that's in that baptismal, but there is something that happens when we obey what Jesus is asking us to do. And there's something that happens when we tell him we want to submit our lives to him and we want to be in his kingdom and we draw a line in the sand and we believe that we are new creatures. Like Austin said, the old is gone, the new has come. So let's pray for those guys real quick and then we're going to sing a song. Lord, we thank you for all those who are baptized today and getting to be witnesses of their obedience to you. God, let us all take steps of obedience today. Let us not get fat experiencing your presence here and then not be willing to pour ourselves out every day. Pray that you would seal something in the hearts of each person baptized, that it would be a real line in the sand and there would be no going back. They would continue to grow in you and follow you. And that's what we want for all of us. So I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning still and that this day would be bigger than just an experience with you today and we're so grateful to encounter you and that you would, you would be here with us but we don't want to be here with you now and miss out on being with you all the time. So help us to be your people who encounter you every day and practice your presence. In Jesus' name. <clears throat>